0: Women's Work is a special podcast production from Boise State Public Radio and the Mountain West News Bureau. A warning for this episode, there is some swearing and a racial slur, so heads up.
1: This episode was recorded on the Cheyenne River Sioux Indian Reservation, home to four of the seven bands of the Lakota Oyate. Along with every other acre in the United States, prior to European arrival, this land was cared for by American Indians Using many of the same holistic and sustainable practices that are often regarded as revolutionary new ideas today.
2: We'll come and we'll kind of slip around this side of the panel.
0: Kelsey Scott gently guides her cows towards the pasture gate. She moves slowly, circling around them step by step, eyes down.
2: Uh, we'll kind of bump them that way.
0: It's a hot, dusty summer morning, and she's loading three animals into the back of a trailer that her younger brother, Ty, will drive to the butcher a few hours away.
2: Ty, there shouldn't be any bills. They should all be paid up. He said it's 27, mainly small boxes of burger coming back.
0: The key phrase there is coming back. The meat from these animals will come back here to the Cheyenne River Sioux Reservation in South Dakota, where most of it will be sold to members of Kelsey's tribe. That means no feedlots, no mega-corporate meatpacking operations, no grocery store chains that mark up the price. Kelsey Scott is trying to build a new meat system, a closed loop designed to feed her people. But in a way, it's also a return to a time when her people were self-sufficient, hunting buffalo and harvesting food and medicine from these lands. For her, Raising and selling beef on the reservation is about reclaiming tribal sovereignty. Sovereignty that starts with food. I'm Ashley Ahern, and this is Women's Work. Stories about the changing face of ranching in the West.
2: in you can come in now
0: i arrive at kelsey scott's house in the afternoon i sit down at her kitchen counter and she offers me a beer
2: well the options that we have in this household are Michelob ultra the infusions or keystone light i or we have a bud light lemonade
0: she pauses to take off her glasses and clean them while we're talking she has long brown hair with caramel highlights that she wears in a braid under a baseball cap she has a quiet determined confidence about her I saw it in the way she treats her cows. She tells me she learned those traits from watching her dad train horses as a kid.
2: Like my earliest memories were being strapped into a saddle, moving cows with my dad, Mm -hmm. or sitting in the little blue barn on a tipped over bucket, watching him start colts.
0: Training horses is all about patience. You have to be firm without losing your temper or showing weakness. And those lessons served her well when she went away to college at south dakota state university there was a dorm on campus for native american students
2: and it was supposed to put students from the res together so that they felt a little more at home and they'd have like we'd have like culturally centric hall activities and stuff like that um within the first semester across the wall in the in all of the bathrooms um somebody spray painted go home prairie.
0: Kelsey said several of her Native American classmates dropped out that first year. Kelsey stuck it out. She took Lakota language classes but was frustrated at the low quality of the teaching. She took history classes but was frustrated at the one-sided way the professors talked about western expansion and colonization. But nevertheless she studied hard and excelled in her coursework.
2: And no shit they selected me to give the commencement address and I was the first Native American commencement speaker at South Dakota State University.
0: After college, Kelsey couldn't wait to get back to this windswept open country. She came home and set to work reimagining the family ranching business. Instead of sending her calves off to the feedlot, as many ranches do, she started keeping them on the property for their whole lives and only feeding them grass. Then she sends them to a butcher just off the rez. The meat comes right back here, and she sells it herself, locally. That means the beef doesn't get marked up at each step along the supply chain. She keeps her costs low and employs family members to help out. She controls the supply, and she sets the price where people here can afford it. Kelsey just ran a special. For 30 bucks, you get two T-bones, two sirloins, a package of ribs, and four pounds of burger. At some grocery stores, you'd pay that much for one good-sized T-bone steak. For Kelsey, it's not just about profit. It's about feeding people. And there's a big need. This reservation is almost the size of the state of Connecticut. Millions of acres, with only five grocery stores. Two of which are actually convenience stores at gas stations. Fresh food is hard to get here. That's what makes Kelsey's business, DX Beef, so important.
1: That is DX beef sizzling on a cast iron uh, pan, home-raised beef, only left here to get processed.
0: That night, Zach Ducheneau, Kelsey's dad, made dinner. He's a longtime rancher and an advocate for Native American food producers. Last year, the Biden administration appointed him to run the Farm Service Agency at the U.S. Department of Agriculture. I've been thinking about Kelsey's business model and the fact that she could probably be making a lot more money if she just jacked up her prices and sold to higher end grocers. But she's not. She's selling locally to her community. For her and her father, it's not about growth and expanding profit margins at all costs. Zach says capitalism has to look different. We've got greed wearing a tattered capitalism
1: coat around this country right now and the threads are starting to pull away and we're starting to see what's really underneath, it's greed. And doing what Kelsey's doing, she's able to provide a higher quality known product to our community members at a price point that is comparable to big ag, while making more profit for the place. So you take out all of the middle people and You keep that money circulating in this economy. That's exactly what capitalism is. Capitalism is about the growth of capital, not the extraction of it. And I'm just not a big fan of greed.
0: Okay, and if we back up a little bit here, Zach explained that before the arrival of European settlers and the taking of native lands, the Lakota people were able to provide for themselves. There was plenty.
1: Our people were self-sufficient. We knew that with that relationship that we had with the buffalo and the ecosystem, we were gonna be all right. We were gonna be able to provide for ourselves.
0: He said taking away their ability to feed themselves also robbed the Lakota of their freedom and independence.
1: If you don't know that you can feed your kids or where that's coming from, that's that's stress that you're gonna wear around every day. It's gonna consume you every minute. Now, if you take that out to a societal level, it can literally unwind the societal identity that you had.
0: There's a movement that's been building for the last 15 years or so around food sovereignty. It's based on the belief that people have a right to healthy, culturally appropriate food that is produced sustainably, and that that right supersedes the power of markets and corporations. You might think about it like a reclamation of the food system from the grassroots up. As Kelsey and her father explained it to me, food sovereignty is the first step toward tribal sovereignty.
1: So to me, food sovereignty is about recapturing that. If we as a a nation within a nation don't have the ability to feed ourselves the most basic biological need we're going to struggle and we're going to we're going to rend our hands over what our identity is and we may get lost quite often
0: In a little room with low ceilings and walls lined with chest freezers, Kelsey and Ty unload and sort packages of beef fresh from the butcher.
2: Yeah, I got my checklist of all the names of people who ordered beef.
0: Ty carries in boxes of T-bones, sirloin, ribs, brisket, and pounds and pounds of burger. And Kelsey puts the different cuts into bags.
2: My aunt is on her way to pick up the deliveries that are going to go to Eagle Butte, South Dakota, and she'll deliver to around 35 people.
0: Those 35 people are all members of the Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe, who are buying meat directly from Kelsey's company, DX Beef. Building this business hasn't been easy, but Kelsey knows that what she's doing is critical. That was made even more clear when the pandemic hit. There was a run on food at the few grocery stores there are around here, and a very limited supply was trickling onto the reservation. Sometimes the delivery trucks just didn't come at all. The food system failed the Cheyenne River Sioux. People turned to Kelsey for beef, and she was ready.
2: Business has been really good. Um, In the short time of one year, we have gone from butchering two animals every three months to now we're butchering three animals every two weeks. That's an increase of almost 10x. We actually sold out of all the steaks that we had on hand. So um, we've scaled up significantly, way bigger than I thought.
0: Kelsey pauses from packing up boxes of beef and sits down on the cooler.
2: There's probably close to eight head of animals in this storage room right now. And those eight head of animals are gonna feed dozens and dozens of family members. It's going to nourish those bodies and minds and like for me it's really gratifying um it's incredibly humbling uh like you know just to think about it like i get chills up my spine to know that the animals i have put time and money and energy and so much thought and care into raising get to live out such a just life that they're still nourishing community members after they're gone.
0: <laughs> the next day, Kelsey and I get into her pickup and drive out through the pasture to visit her cows.
2: So. I will
0: take you out. Kelsey and her family run their cows on about 7,500 acres, most of it leased from the Cheyenne River Sioux tribe. She doesn't spray any pesticides or herbicides on the land, and she's divided several of her larger pastures up into smaller sections so she can rotate her cows around to avoid overgrazing and give the land more time to recover. She's managing her cows to keep the land healthy, but the cows also bring her community together. We drive to the end of a pasture.
2: This is a place here where this gate goes through. We typically would put our branding curls up there, and this is where we would brand year after year.
0: Branding is a big deal for many ranch families. Everyone comes together to gather up the year's new calves and then vaccinate, castrate, and brand them. It's hard, dirty work, but there's also usually a lot of tailgating and visiting involved.
2: You know, and our brandings are like a big celebration with people coming to from, like, states away to visit you know it's kind of like our family christmas
0: we keep driving past happy snoozing cows with their baby calves
2: they look like they're pretty chillaxing hot day they're saying take us to the river
0: and as we're bumping along kelsey is looking out the window scanning the ground and then she suddenly turns the pickup truck around
2: oh so this that's fun all right let's get out and look a little bit here windy. It is windy. Yeah. I thought that I saw a
0: uh, wild turnip. She crouches down and pulls back the tall grass to reveal the stalk of a small plant with five star-shaped leaves and a fuzzy bunch of seed pods at the top. It's called a wild turnip or timsula in Lakota.
2: And then um, this is a plant that we uh, traditionally, would go gather, uh, and we still do. It's like it's timsula season right now, so a lot of people go gather. Um, Kelsey kinda... gets a shovel out of the back of the truck and digs around the base
0: of the plant to pop out the root.
2: So there's the turnip. Uh huh. And so this, um, the the teaching is that you always put back what you take. So you'll want to uh, you take the top of this turnip plant, Yeah, because we've taken out the root, and then we'll bury the top to replenish nature that we just took from.
0: She keeps the root bulb, which is about the size of a small lime, but she gently tucks the seed pods from the top of the plant back into the earth. So do these things, if it's overgrazed, you wouldn't have these things growing here?
2: Yeah, yep. This is a little tiny one.
0: <laughs> the Timsala root can be eaten raw. It tastes kind of like a starchy radish, or it can be fried, boiled in stews, or ground into a fine powder and used like a flour. It was traditionally a staple food for the Lakota, and Kelsey's excited to find it here amongst her
2: cows. I feel like that this is a part of food sovereignty, is knowing what plants on the landscape you can feed your family from, you know? Um, And this is really unique for me because for like several years, I was sure that we didn't have Tumsala here. Like I'd gone out and looked, couldn't find it, scouted, couldn't find it. And then, you know, kind of one of those things where like the universe just shows you where it's at when you're not expecting it. Just leave that gate open because... So this is the water tank that we've got, um, and it's spilling into
0: the creek there downstream. We get back in the truck and head for home. As she looks out over the thousands of acres of waving prairie grass around us, Kelsey doesn't feel a sense of ownership. This isn't her land. She leases it from her tribe, and she says stewarding it is a privilege and a responsibility. All her fellow tribal members are co-owners of the acres where she grazes her cows. So in a way, feeding them her beef seems only right.
2: You know, and so for me, that's like when you say tribal member or tribal rancher, that's what being a tribal rancher is, is remembering what it means to be a part of the Cheyenne River Sioux tribe. Like if I'm talking about, you know, feeling like as a descendant of the Lakota nation that stewarded bison across the entire continent that means different things for me because that means that like my great 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 grandparents may have wandered across this prairie at some point you know and like when I go find the timsula out in the pasture I think I wonder how long it's been here I wonder if my Lakota nation at one point came across this timsula patch you know like there's this Um, continuum of stewardship that goes far beyond any of the generations of people in my family that I'll get to meet.
0: But Kelsey's dedicated to feeding the ones she can now and taking care of her ancestral lands in the process. Next episode, we're heading to Idaho wolf country to ride the range with seven sisters who are finding new ways to keep their cows safe and keep wolves around.
2: You know, they have every right to be out here. They're part of this natural ecosystem. They've been here way longer than we have.
0: Women's work is edited by Whitney Henry Lester. Special thanks to Christine Trudeau for help on this episode. The land acknowledgement at the top was recorded by Zach Ducheneau, Kelsey's dad. Sound design is by Liza Yeager. Art for the series is by Katie Michaels.